exorcism. Now, let me ask you. you know, I'm, I'm thinking, here's a, a Jewish high priest, and here's his boys, and they're practicing something God never called them to do. I wonder how far, how far down, how far fallen must these Jewish synagogue leaders have fallen, have, have gone to engage in such behavior? I mean, they were going around trying to heal people of all kinds of maladies and addictions and sicknesses and, and even demonic worship. Does it remind you of what people try to do today? So-called televangelists and, and, and others. Not, not that everybody on TV is doing this, but you've all seen, you know, you, you know, send in $100 and I'll send you a handkerchief that I have touched. And they try to be Paul. And that stuff doesn't work anymore. That stuff ended with the apostolic age. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a prayer cloth and, and you'll be healed. And no telling how many countless, I think now we can say, millions have fallen for that. And it's so wrong. And, and, and these Jewish exorcists, what, what do they have to go on? They were probably calling upon the name of Abraham or Moses or Elijah, some of the great prophets of old. And Sceva was very likely, I mean, think about this, Sceva being a leader there in, in the Roman synagogue that kicked Paul out or that, you know, didn't believe in what he had to say, and here they, his sons are borrowing the name of Jesus. It didn't work. They had been watching Paul and seeing him go around the city and having great success and bringing wholeness, freedom to people's lives. And they noticed that whenever somebody was healed, whenever some, some demon was extracted uh, out of somebody's soul, that the name of Jesus was used. And there was something about the name of Jesus that had power over sickness and demonic possession. Believed, hey man, we found a genie in a jar. Well, this is cool. We can use this. All they just had to do was call upon the name of Jesus and, and, and there would be healing and, and freedom giving, given to these poor souls. After all, that is what others in the town had been trying to do. Instead of the name of Jesus, uh, they had been using, you know, like Jews weren't the only ones doing this. There were Greeks. Greeks would oftentimes try to exercise demons in the name of their own God, in the name of their own goddesses. They had been maybe calling upon their ancestor, you know, or, or their ancestors of the past. And however, they quickly discovered that playing with the devil was not fun and games. They discovered that just mentioning the name of Jesus and not having a personal relationship with Jesus could lead to disaster. And merely quoting the name of Jesus in their incantations did nothing except, in their case, it got them beaten up and humiliated. And that's what happened to these seven sons. They bit off more than they could chew. And instead of the demons coming under their control, they got a serious beatdown from one of them. Or maybe there were more in this individual. Instead of them looking good, looking good to all the people around who was watching this, they ran out of that house naked and defeated. 
Now, that's the story in a nutshell. What I want us to do this morning is just to focus on verse 19. I, I don't think I've ever preached on this. I don't think I've ever um, used the words of a demon as your core text uh, for the message, but we're going to do that. Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? There is more here, I think, than meets the eye. There's something going on here that we, that we need to take our time and think about. So look at these questions up on screen. What do our spiritual enemies think of us? What do our spiritual enemies think of us? How are we viewed by the devil and hell? Do they take the time to talk about us and discuss what a pain we are to them? So how are we to be viewed and spoken of by the demons as individuals and the collective church? So let's take some time this morning. I just want to look at two big rocks, two big themes uh, that we're going to look at just briefly today. And that, number one, the devil, the demons knew Jesus. Just very basic, very basic. Jesus I know. The name of Jesus was well known uh, to the devil and to his demons. Um, they had been in battle throughout most of Jesus' life, or at least throughout Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 2, we read that the devil had done his very, very best to kill Jesus. Remember Mary, Joseph, and took, took Jesus off to Egypt? Sadly, a number of small boys were killed in Bethlehem. The devil had done his very best to manipulate Jesus in the wilderness. We, we read about in Luke chapter 4 and other places. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 4, the, the devil had done his very best to kill Jesus right at the start of his ministry by having the Jewish leaders just you know, rush him and try to throw him off a cliff. But it says Ju Jesus just disappeared. In John 13, the devil had prompted Judas to betray Jesus to, and, and being crucified. He, he hoped he could get rid of him that way. And the Gospels are full of references that let us know that the demons knew who he was. Let me share with you just a few passages of Scripture and read them. Luke chapter 4 and verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had, who had anyone who was sick with various diseases brought them to him. As he laid his hands on each of them, he healed them. Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Matthew 8, verse 29, and they cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before our time? And from all this, we know that the devil and the demons knew who Jesus was. They knew Him before He came to this earth. They knew Him as the Son 
of God. They knew Him as the Creator and Lord. They knew Him and they hated Him. Jesus stood for everything they did not. Jesus stood for the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Everything they were not. They, on the other hand, stood for the exact opposite. Hate and anger, malice, sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, greed, and envy. That's what the demons stood for. And they knew that one day they would have to bow the knee once again to proclaim Jesus as the one true King of kings and Lord of lords. They knew that one day they would be condemned to an existence where God does not exist, a place called hell. And for all of that and even more, They hated Jesus. But they also knew that at the name of Jesus, they were defeated. They were conquered. They knew what Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 2 when he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having, here's the good part, well, that's all good, but here's the demonic, the the part about the demons, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I say to that, amen. Amen. So the devil and his demons knew Jesus. Number two, the devil and his demons knew Paul. They knew Paul. They knew who he was. Paul's name was known by the devil and many of the demons. It was known by those who were against the early church. It was known by the demons that worked around the cities of Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi. The longer Paul lived and the more he did to promote the message of Jesus, the more demons knew his name. The Bible tells us that for a time the Apostle Paul had worked alongside the causes of evil. That was Paul's very sad past. When he was known as Saul, he had done his best to rid every person who called Jesus Lord. Saul had believed that Jesus was not the Messiah, but instead was a fake Messiah. He had believed that the temple and the temple authorities had been correct, seeing Jesus convicted him and put to death. He saw it as his mission to do everything he could to stop those who were proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. And then the event recorded in Acts Chapter 9 happened. The Damascus Road experience. Paul encountered the risen Jesus and it changed his life forever as it has changed so many of ours here. He went from being a Jesus hater to a man 
who gave his very life, all that he was to the message and the mission of Jesus. He became perhaps the greatest missionary of all time. None of that happened without the devils and the demons knowing about it, being aware of it. And in saying that, we do have to remember a thing or two. So let's, let's look at a couple of truths. We must remember that neither the devil or his demons are all-powerful or all-knowing or all-present. No demon, not in the, even the devil, knows everything. Secondly, no demon nor the devil is all-powerful. They can only do what God allows them to do. And I give you Job chapter 1 and 2 for a good reference. And no demon nor the devil can be in more than one place at a time. That is important for us to remember. That is why Luke tells us that demons, when, when they, that they said, we know Paul. We know Jesus. We're very familiar with Paul. And they had seen Jesus in heaven. When you think about it, they had worshipped Jesus in heaven, these demonic beings, when they were angelic beings. But these demons working around Ephesus had not yet encountered the Apostle Paul. He was just making his way up and around their area of influence. Paul was becoming known. Not only to the people, but to the demons. He was becoming known in the area of Macedonia. And this included Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, and now Ephesus. He had been busy preaching and then healing whoever needed it. He had been busy helping people understand the fact that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life. He had been busy baptizing people in helping them understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you look at verses 19 and 20, there at the end of our passage. It tells us a multitude of people were coming to Jesus and rejecting, rejecting their former ways of practicing sorcery. In fact, it says they destroyed over 50,000 drachmas of occult materials because they had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that was worth about 135 years worth of wages. And I would say, taking all of that into account, you could say that these demons were beginning to know and being bothered by the Apostle Paul. They knew who he was. And he was causing them numerous headaches, numerous pain. They knew that Paul was the real deal. You didn't want to go into battle against the Apostle Paul. He was a true believer. He was a prayer warrior. He was a spiritual force to be reckoned with. He was a conduit of the Holy Spirit, and through him the Holy Spirit was able to bring healing and wholeness and freedom to so many people. Please understand, Paul didn't defeat Satan 
in his own strength and power. Luke makes sure that we understand. Verse 11 says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. It was God. It was God who did it. And God deserves the glory. Paul didn't do it under his own ability. He didn't perform these miracles in his own strength. He was filled with God's Holy Spirit. He was anointed into a special ministry. And as God's ambassador, he was just, he was just able to do some amazing and wonderful things. The difference between the seven sons of Sceva and Paul was their relationship with the Lord. The relationship with Jesus. And, and who they were wanting to give honor to when a miracle did happen. The seven sons didn't really want a relationship with Jesus. They just wanted the power of His name. They just wanted to use Jesus' name in a spell or a charm. They wanted the power, not the person. They wanted the ability, but they refused to surrender their heart and life and mission to the Lord. This is what the demons saw. They knew these men had no power. They knew that they were pretenders. And so they took the opportunity. Well, this one man who was possessed took the opportunity to beat them within an inch of their lives because he also wanted to humiliate them or just because they were perverted as the devil is, yanked and stripped them of all their clothes and threw them out of their house, beaten and bloodied and naked. That must have been a sight. One on seven. Mind you, none of them got to leave the house. He kept them all in there, and then he ushered them out. Must have been a sight to see. Able to beat up strip seven young men lesson don't mess with a demon in your own power and might don't mess with a demon in your own power and might and all of this leads to asking ourselves some important questions to ponder this morning before we come to our time of invitation how are we viewed by demons, as individual Christians. How are we viewed by demons as individual Christians? How are we viewed by the demons and by hell as a church? Do they even know about us? Do they fear us? Do we matter to them? Or are we a threat to demonic missions and plans and values? So as we ponder that question, let me just give us a few known things, but I want to remind you of them from the Scriptures. How do we fight back against the devil and his demons? How do we fight back? It all starts 
with spiritual prayer, the practice of prayer. And I say the practice of prayer because it is a spiritual discipline, something that we practice every day, all day, according to Paul. Jesus answered, this kind, meaning a demon, cannot come out except by prayer. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go and find somebody to exorcise a demon out of. But Jesus' whole point here is that you need to be bathed and saturated in prayer when you're going through demonic activity. What else does it start with? Secondly, it starts with asking and receiving from the Lord a renewed mind. A renewed mind. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is loving, sorry about that typo there, whatever is loving, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, So if you have been raised with Christ, seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What else does it start with? If we're to beat back the devil and his demons, it starts with being determined to get rid of evil in our own lives. Colossians 3 and 5. 3 verse 5 says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. It's a decision. We make up our minds. Not to be burdened with the things of this world. And this morning we've seen where evil, almost with a capital E if you will, knows Jesus. They know His name and they are afraid. We have seen the sons of Sceva were tossed around like rag dolls and defeated because they had no connection with Jesus or to His mission or to His message. They were pretenders and they paid a pretender's price. In other words, we can't go faking it, folks. And there are a lot of people, a lot of charlatans, or a lot of people who have just deluded themselves into thinking that they are truly born again. When Jesus is just a nice person in a book that they like to read about. I'm calling you this morning to Truly, make sure you are saved. Get your faith. And if you are, get right with God again. Because we all fall away from Him. So that we are truly empowered to do this business with the demonic forces of this world. Let's take up the challenge to cause the devil and all of his demons stationed here and around our area, let's cause them to have some headaches. Let's let's cause them to fear us. To cause them to be defeated. 
to, to look at our church and say, that is a powerhouse of prayer. Have nothing to do with them. That, that is a powerhouse of Bible study. You don't want to mess with them. Of commitment. Of spiritual freedom. Of encouragement. Of love and joy and peace. Let's take up the challenge to be a powerhouse for the cause of Christ with our lives. With our voices. With our actions. Our names are known in heaven. Your name has been written in the book of life. Our names are known in heaven. Let's make them known in hell. And may the devil and his demons quake with fear. Pray with me. Father God, the challenge that you have given to us today is an awesome, lofty challenge. It, it raises our Christian living to a new height. Father, I've, I've called this morning for our church to become a powerhouse of prayer that the devil and the demons would fear. And none of this means that they'll just leave us alone. And Father, I've, I've given a challenge, Father, that you would somehow make us a powerhouse of Bible study and practice and obedience. And Father, if we do these things, we can place ourselves on the map of this region that hell has. I'm just picturing that they have a map of everybody they got to worry about. And Father, we might have come in here today thinking, well... I really don't, don't want the demons messing with me or, you know, I, I just kind of want to fly under the radar. But Father, you have called us to be light on a hill, salt of the earth. We're not going to hide that light. We ask, dear Father, that we first start individually this morning during this invitation of resurrecting our souls once again, reviving our souls for those of us who know you, Lord, and inspiring us to a new way of life, to living out our faith for Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's one here today or more that don't yet know you as Christ, have, have yet to claim you as Lord, help them to know that they, they find themselves in the same position as the sons of Sceva and all of those Greeks who did not know you. So Father, we pray that this morning you will call us and call some to faith in you and come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.